Well, hey, listener, we're back at it again. This is ICU Talks podcast. Here, voices, static that you're with us. This is Kim Honeycutt. I am the Presidente, the founder of ICU Talks. We are a mental health speaking ministry that will continue to scream very loudly until we end the mental health stigma, particularly the shame that's in the church against people who are just striving to get closer to the Lord, but they're struggling. So today, we are doing a special podcast, and I need you to know this podcast is actually coming from Facebook. That something good actually happened on social media. I didn't even know that was possible, besides people just having pictures of them and vacationing in different countries every day. Something got sparked on Facebook that we're going to talk about today. And before we get there, I'm going to introduce my two guests. This is their first time hanging out with me. So first, we're going to start with my friend of like 15 years, maybe longer. Yeah, Cindy? 20, yeah. yeah, 20 years. Introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Cindy. I'm a friend of Kim Honeycutt's. <laughs> right. Shamelessly a friend <laughs> right. of Kim Honeycutt's. Glad to be with you today. Yeah, thank you, Cindy. Appreciate that. And my one of my best friends, I talk about her all the time. If there's a bus, I'm throwing her underneath it. It's my friend Willow. Introduce yourself, please. Hi, I'm Willow, and I've known Kim since maybe 2008. Yeah, it's been a while. really has. She had a really good life before she met me. <laughs> it was comfortable. <laughs> it was simple back then. Wasn't now it? I know everything I do wrong. Right, that's right. Well, it's been a challenging friendship. Let's just put it that way, but more rewards than challenges, definitely. So Cindy and I know each other because we're both in the room. She's been sober and clean for 25 years. I've been around for 24 years, so yay for that. So it's a lot of recovery that's here. And so here's the deal. We're going to talk today about people-pleasing, codependency, approval addiction, dependent person- personality disorder. Now, there's many different names, and there are some differences in the definition of each one of those. We're going to really focus on people-pleasing because this is what happened. So Cindy, my friend and I, were hanging out and we were talking. And she said people-pleasing is a form of manipulation. And so I've heard that. If you've been in rooms of AA or NA, you've heard that. You might go to Codependence Anonymous, which is a great resource for you. Al-Anon, you've probably heard that. If you've been around recovery, you've heard that statement. You can Google it right now and you can get 25 articles on it. But when she said it, for some reason, it resonated with me. So I did what I did. I went to my little app, and I made a meme that just said people-pleasing is a form of manipulation. I put it away. I prayed about it, and then probably two months later, God said, today's the day, put that on Facebook. And I did. And the comments <laughs> that came with that, and the sharing of it, and the conversations, and the articles posted, and the information was amazing. Some people got really angry. It was really bothersome to some people. For some people, it was an identity crisis. For other people, it was a breakthrough. I had a 69-year-old woman tell me in that moment when she read it, everything her kids had been telling her for years, a couple of friends had been telling her, it all came together for her, and so her recovery got deeper. And so people just had their own reaction to it. But y'all asked for more, and so I did a Facebook Live about it. And did another post on Facebook. If, you want to, if you're, whatever time you're hearing this, you want to go back and read it, explain what it is. But... I want to go let Cindy, who's a very, very strong, strong woman in personality and in character, let her explain where that came from for her and how people-pleasing comes into her life. Hello, everybody. I said that people-pleasing is a form of manipulation because I've experienced it in my own life. I understand people-pleasing to be doing something in an attempt to get somebody to give me what I need, be it validation, be it approval, be it attention, be it love, right. in any particular way. 
And so I'm going to act a certain way. So you'll give me the result that I need. You'll give me something that I need. And I do that outside of my normal character. That's where the people pleasing becomes manipulation. Right. Because I'm doing it not to, to do what God's instructed me to do, but because it's out of selfishness, out of what I want out of the relationship. So I'm attempting to manipulate the relationship to get what I want from it. And I do that by doing what you want me to do, even when I don't want to do it. Right. That's right. And so I think that's, you said it so well. Part of the distinction of that is people hearing is that, because people hear people pleasing as a way of a life of service. I mean, I'm giving back to the Lord. That is not what people pleasing is. We're not talking about being a peacemaker. We're called to be peacemakers, not appeasers. If you're just appeasing someone, trying to calm them down, if you're just doing something for somebody because you don't want them to get upset or you want a certain outcome, that is not biblical. That is not being a peacemaker. You're talking about you're trying to get something in particular from somebody through your actions or through your words. You want a certain outcome out of your own fear. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And, Kim, if we are to love each other as God has loved us, God doesn't people please us. Mm, God does not manipulate us through people pleasing. That's right. Which he could be the best people pleaser manipulator in the world if he chose to. Right. But that's not how he loves us, and that's not how he calls us to love anybody else either. That's right. That's right. It's a really good point. And it stops the relationship. It can't get any closer when there's people pleasing. Right? And, again, we're not talking about doing something nice for somebody. We're talking about your worth is based on what you do for somebody. You're doing it to avoid conflict. You're doing it out of fear of rejection, fear of disappointment. There's a lot of reasons why people do people-pleasing. Absolutely. And if honesty is the absence of deception, Mm. then people-pleasing is dishonesty. It is dishonest. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And there are good reasons why, if you're listening to this, you are a people-pleaser. This comes from trauma. This comes from childhood for a lot of people. It comes from simple, it seems innocent messages from parents and teachers when we're kids. It, It originates from something. So if you're carrying this... It, you can't shame yourself for it because you, then you can't get better. It comes from a deep place, and we'll get into that. So, Willa, what do you, what do you think when you think of the definition of people pleaser? How is this? Because obviously you're here because you're really in recovery from this. You're really working hard on this and just would love to hear your words. Um, honestly, I didn't know I was a people pleaser. I just tried to do what I thought was best, and I know through our relationship, Kim, you've told me, you know, what I'm doing. And I just think it goes back to when I was a child and I tried to stay under the radar with my parents and Mm. do the right thing and not cause any commotion and not take any extra energy from them because Mm. they both worked full time and I had an older brother and an older sister and, um, so I don't know. It was just all enlightening to me. Yeah. But just, again, for me, I just love what you said because you can hear her words, Cindy, of she's deciding what her parents can handle. She's deciding that just, there's enough going on with her brother. I know, I know her brother. He's a great guy. But teenage life, things were happening just like right. in my teenage life. And so it's just that innocent. That's how easily that the enemy can bring this into your life is you think, well, both parents work. They're dealing with my brother, so I'm going to fly underneath the radar. I'm going to not be me. I'm going to not deal with my needs so that no one else gets upset. It's that, it's that easy. Right. Right? And part of that's personality, right? We understand that on some level, but it also can be a trauma response. That's me. 
So when you say, like, I'm the one that explained that to you, can, in the sense of, like, in our friendship, and just so you all know, we're running partners. We started running together, like, 2010, I think she said. And from run, when you run beside somebody, the level of honesty goes deep fast. Just like if you sit in a 12-step meeting, like, the level of honesty goes faster than normal relationships, right? So your understanding of people pleasing today when you're doing some action that's more for trying to pacify, appease the situation, do you have that kind of clarity today? It's better, but I still think, I honestly thought that's just what moms did. Right, You know, sure. I was a mom of sure. four, and I tried to have everything, you know, at hand and tried to fix everything, or if we forgot something, I keep everything in my car and so um I can just remember an example I think you used it on Facebook Which about one? The, the tampons mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> that uh, we were gonna run and you yes. asked me if I had one and I didn't and I was like oh my gosh I don't have one and she's gonna need it and so I guess you, you yeah. said I yeah, let me let me explain this people real quick. So I was in group therapy. I was in South Park area. I was not the therapist. I was actually the patient. So I'm sitting there in, in women's group, group therapy. My therapist is there. She's a female. Willow lives 10 minutes from where I, I was. So we'd already planned to go for a run after my group therapy. Well, I started my period. And so I texted her and said, hey, because she's a woman and has twin daughters. Do you have a tampon? She said no. So to me, that's the end of it. I look at the women in the group and say, hey, I don't know y'all super well, but I got a tampon. They give me one. So by the time I finished my group therapy and got to her house to go for a run, she left the comfort of her home. She went to a convenience store and brought me a box of tampons, the same convenience store that I passed on the way to her house. See, I want y'all to know that's people-pleasing. To her, my need became her need, and she made it about her without meaning to. If I had accepted that tampon, if I accepted her taking care of my needs when I don't need her to, that's when it becomes codependency. But I wouldn't let her. I never want a codependent relationship because I knew God brought her into my life and that we were best friends. And if it goes into codependency, it becomes about one person serving someone else's needs, not about both people meeting emotional needs and being balanced. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. So that's people-pleasing. It can become codependency. A healthy person won't let it. So you're in a position, Cindy, in the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous that 20 people a day probably want you to be codependent with them, and you do an excellent job of sponsoring people and being like, you stay there. Yeah, it's, it's real clear boundaries. Yeah. And, and the boundaries are for me. You know, I don't set boundaries for anybody else. I can only set boundaries for myself. That's right. So I, I say what I will and what I won't do. And I do really, really well with most people. Yes. Really, really well with most people. But there's this little person in my life. Mm. Uh, she's my 39-year-old daughter, right. who I don't do so well with. Right. Who I I I fear that she'll stop talking to me. Mm. So I don't do anything to make her stop talking to me. Right. And that's where my people pleasing comes right. into play because I can't have my daughter not talking to me. So I will not do anything to ruffle those feathers. I'm quickly coming out of that. Right. Or slowly she's 39 slowly (laughs) coming out of that so Mm. because when kim slapped me in the face with that's what this Mm. was i was like not me yeah you know denial is always my gonna be my first reaction right so not me (laughs) and so when i sit and get quiet and look at it a little more realistically yes me right Uh, Right. i am eligible and not only eligible i am guilty 
Right. So then it becomes my responsibility to stop that behavior right. and, and, and leave the results in God's hands, which they're in anyway. So, and a whole lot's not changed with our relationship, but mm. what has changed is my behavior. That's right. That's, That's right. what's changed, my behavior. So I'm no longer seeking a need from her. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I attempt to get her to treat me in a certain way. Right. By the way, I treat her. Right. And that's the people pleasing. That's the manipulation. manipulation. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's part of why I wanted to send you on this show. If y'all know her or know someone like her, well, there's really no one like you, but such a strong personality. So many people in the rooms want you to be their sponsor. They have a problem. They're going to call you. You're that person. And you're also very clear with your own needs. You'll tell somebody when you have a need. They don't have to guess with you. You and I are very much the same when it comes to that. You're, you, you couldn't get 25 years sober and clean without knowing how to take care of your own emotional needs. Relationships are healthy. When it comes to your 39-year-old daughter, you stop being Cindy. Yes. Right? And it's a whole different wounded part. And that's okay. It's just it's led you to deep, deep pain. Yes. Deep pain. Yes. It, it comes from wanting a completely different relationship with my children than what I have with my parents. That's right. And so I end up with the same result. Right. Even though I went to the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah. You know, I, I smother her with what I call love, which right. maybe is just smothering. Right. And it's not love. It's right. just smothering. And so she responds in the way she responds, mm-hmm. which is not what I wanted. So right. all of my efforts are defeated anyway. Right. And didn't mean to create it so that if she had a need, you'd be there. So then it only calls you when she has a need. Absolutely. So what you wanted was a relationship. And what you got was something that was strictly one-sided about her needs, which again feels horrible after a certain time. It really does. It yeah. really, really does. It's sad. It is. It's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So very strong. We're all susceptible to, to different things, right, and having to deal with it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And Absolutely. It's, and I think it's it's an individual relationship of where I, this is the one I choose to people please in. And I call it a choice because manipulation is a choice. Right. And, and And it may come from different places, but at the end of the day, I get to choose how I treat people. Mm-hmm. And I get to choose what, how, to what degree I allow people into my life based on how they treat me. Right, right. And, you know, you brought up boundaries. So I want to ask you, Willow, like, I, I know that doesn't feel supernatural for you. You know, just what's your definition of boundaries or anything that you would want a listener that's new to all this, like you, you, know, you were new at some point to learning about all this. What would you tell them about the beauty of boundaries and having a voice? You have to speak up and you know, a lot of people don't want to speak up because they will. They are afraid they'll lose their friend or loved one or whoever. Um, so they just keep it all in and go with whatever the other person wants to do. Right. And they don't have boundaries. Yeah, but are you saying that you've, like, able to have boundaries now? Does that feel better for you? Because I know it's been hard, so I want them to hear, like, how this, this is a journey. You've allowed it to be a journey. Right. Um, I have tried to set some boundaries, speak my needs more, um, and just learn from my past mistakes. Right, right, yeah. So what's difficult in, in, in Willow and my friendship is that I'm okay if you tell me immediately that I messed up. If you tell me a year later, I have a hard time because I don't have the best memory, and so I won't remember, and I won't know how to change, and then I also feel like it's been dishonest for a year. You've been upset for a year, and I didn't know, and so my behavior's been the same without, because you're, you're that vessel when you know something somebody, they tell them like, hey, this hurt, this bothered me. When you don't say it, they're not going to change or get closer to God. And the overall thing is this, Missy, with the Lord, right? And so it's just been 
So I want them to hear your strength. Like, it's not easy for you. It's and, not easy. And you're doing it anyway. It's easy for me today. And I have to remember for other people, it's not easy. It's not. But when people in my life are toxic, it's not easy for me either. Right? Healthy relationships, that's how they stay healthy. You just say it and you do it and, it's, and you go on. It builds up inside of you. And it's, it, like you've shared that you've been angry and you're not angry anymore. Or there's a lot less anger. Right. right. A lot yeah. less anger once you express your need or your feelings or whatever was bothering you versus yeah. keeping it in. It so you're just saying you're, so you're not angry anymore. Like it's, it's different for you. It is. Yeah. It is. I feel less stress inside, less anger inside. Yeah. Yeah. And I know nobody listening to this can know, and I probably want to point out with Willow, that like it's such a huge step she's made. There's nothing natural about her telling somebody what she needs or having a voice, and she's doing it. And the anger is dissipating. Right. Which means she can get closer to God, to herself, to her husband, to everybody in her life. Right? Right. Yeah, but it's hard to believe when I said, hey, if you just tell me, I'll be okay. It was hard for you to believe that. Well, it is, because I'm afraid there'll be backlash for whatever it is that right. I'm telling you or someone else. Like, right. And my, I think my biggest fear is that it'll ruin the friendship. Right, sure. But in turn... You know, I've learned through you that by not telling you, yes, it can damage the relationship. Right. right. Yeah. To me, it's betrayal if I don't know. Right. And so for other people, um, it's just the sooner I know, the sooner I can go, oh, crap, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I messed that up. Look at me. I messed up again. I'm used to messing up. I just don't want to not know. Right. right. I think part of what I'm learning, though, is you've talked about the Enneagram and yes. that I'm a nine and that I have learned through that that they kind of live in the past and they need to process. Right. So instead of me looking to the future or staying in the present like some numbers, I just relive the past. Yeah. And I, I you yeah. know, have regret over something that happened, but I don't speak it. Right. Yeah. And I think that she's made a great point is that a lot of relationships, friendships, your boss and you, one person will be a future thinker and other one will be a, a past process thinker. And that's why a spouse will walk up to somebody and say, start a conversation that, that you finished two weeks ago. They'll just start right back into it, right? Their process is different. And you bring up a great point, like, to really give each other grace. Like, you can't do anything but be a past processor that's just how you do it it's not fair to ask someone to not do what they do right right it's just how do you how do you find common ground and all that right yeah how do you find common ground right now when your daughter's not working on this it's not for her to work on you are right how do you find you decide your common ground and your your stance with this i have a desire to say no mm. the other day i got a phone call and forgot to say no yes but I immediately realized after the phone call, I was supposed to say no. Yes. So the awareness is there. That's the part of the beginning of any journey for me is the awareness. Right. So I have the awareness and I have the willingness to do something different because I want something different. So it's, it's painful at times because that's my baby girl. I don't care that she's 39. Right. I want to be there for her. I want to, I want to take care of her. And, but the motivation behind that is the manipulation. The motivation behind that is because I need her to love me the way I want her to love me. Right. And I don't know that she can. I don't know that what I need can come from her. Right. It's, it's not her job. She wasn't born with that job. And so I, I'm learning and I'm accepting that 
even though I desire this from her, that's not where it's going to come from. She can love me as my daughter. She can't, she can't love me the way that I need to be loved as a child. Right, right. Yeah. I think that's a big piece that I've heard from both of y'all is that without even meaning to, you've put how you feel, your mood, your sense of worth on someone else. And it doesn't work out well, but as a two very compassionate, caring moms, how do you do that differently? Right? Like that's a really hard balance to find and not put your mood on if your kid sleeps or right like it's just got to it's got to be different seasons of kind of starting to step back and let go because you start off where you have to neglect yourself right right and self-neglect is not good but when you first have a baby there is a lot of self-neglect and then how do you come back into your own how do you start taking care of yourself once they get older and not have your identity rest on that child that's very hard I mean it's a whole new season of life right when, when they're not there I think it's best not to have kids <laughs> because it sounds really hard. <laughs> so you're in a whole new season. I am. Right. And just learning more and more about yourself and letting it be okay. Right. But that's hard. Right. Right. Um, I don't know if this is on topic, but I know you've talked about um, times before if I, I worked full time prior to a couple of years ago and if I needed to take my car in to get... Yes. Um, oil change or whatever. I before Uber, I would literally look up bus routes and take my car and then take the bus home and walk the extra blocks that you know the bus dropped off to my house. And instead of calling one of my kids or a friend, and you found that baffling, and I found it like I considered it resourceful mm-hmm. because they were in school or they worked full time, and it was just I didn't think anything of it. Right. I really didn't, and I think you felt like I was I felt like I was not worthy to get help. Well, and I'm right. Let's just <laughs> <laughs> tell the truth. Always, always. I'm right. But really, it, the, we, we talked about that part of balance, and this is all part of being Enneagram 9 or Enneagram number, is to not be extra, is to be balanced. And that means if I will, if I will come get you and take you to the get your tire fixed, it means that it has to be both ways. If we're in a balanced relationship, and so the enemy wants you not depending on people, not being connected. And so if I will drop everything I'm doing to take you to take your car, but I won't let you do it for me, that will never be the relationship it's called to be. Right. And that we're all worthy. Like we're, it's part of the eight Beatitudes. Like you, you have to be able to ask for help. But we're raised, especially as Christian Southern women, to never ask for help, to do everything. That God wants you in relationships where you're dependent on somebody and not just being in a codependent relationship. Like, you're worthy of someone being inconvenienced. Right. Well, and it's, it's also allowing them to... When I help someone, I feel good about it. Right. It comes from a pure place. Right. It's also allowing them to have that same feeling. That's right. And otherwise, again, it gets back to dishonest manipulative. Like, I can feel warm fuzzy for buying you a drink at Starbucks, but not vice versa. I won't let you have the same. Right. So it's... That's not balance. That's not, that's not going to allow an eye-level relationship, right? And just remember, a lot of this does come from a trauma response. One of the beautiful things that came out of this conversation on Facebook was that a, a woman named Tracy said, hey, I've learned that this, this codependency you're talking about, people-pleasing, is actually called fawning. 
And so I've studied the brain forever. I've studied trauma response forever. I've been in this for over 20 years. And we all know fight, flight, freeze. We know what happens when there's trauma as a child. It's also now known fawning, which means that your way of controlling what's happening is to try to make sure daddy doesn't get upset. Try to make sure if mommy's crying, I'll get her to stop crying. And so that becomes your way of dealing with the trauma, which means you stay in the trauma. And I think that's what I've realized that now I have so much compassion about with people doing this, that it's not a personality trait. It's not something we can just say, oh, this is just a disorder. You have choice in it. We've known it's an addiction, but to look at a trauma response, meaning that if you keep doing that, denying yourself and taking care of everybody else, you're actually staying tethered to your trauma that started you in the first place. It gives me more compassion and more, more passion to help people end it. Right? If you respond the same way today at 50 you do when you were five, whatever's next for you, you don't get there. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, for the record, if I need a kidney, I will ask for help. Well, they won't let me give my kidney because I fractured my skull and was 15. So okay. otherwise, I would do it in okay. a heartbeat. Well, I'll put it out there on okay. Facebook, and I'm sure somebody will somebody just mail will me just one. Mail you, one. <laughs> you don't even need one yet. And let's just get it mailed anyway. All right? Yeah. So let's circle back real quick to, to, to any trauma you want to talk about, of course, but just the idea of really helping people understand boundaries and having a voice and how boundaries and self-care are crucial for your start if you're going to get through any type of, of trauma response or addiction. I just believe that when I set boundaries, I do them for my well-being, right. my emotional, my mental well-being. And it's not that I'm necessarily saying no to somebody, mm -hmm. but I'm saying yes to me. Mm -hmm. And when I cross over into the people-pleasing side, I'm saying yes to somebody else, mm. and I'm saying no to me. That's right. And, and so when it ties into setting a healthy boundary, uh, I think Willow had said, I'm scared that you won't be my friend or whatever the mm -hmm. verbiage was. Right. You're not my friend anyway. If yeah. I have to do things to That's make right. you like me, then you're not really liking me because I'm not presenting my true self to you. Right. So the friendship isn't genuine anyway. Right. And so if I present my true self, not everybody will like me. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Yeah. Because being my true self, I don't like everybody else. And mm -hmm. that's okay. That's right. So if I present my true self to the relationship and you present your true self to the relationship, that's when we can have a genuine relationship, a genuine friendship. Mm -hmm. And those are the healthy boundaries that are set. And yeah. I set those for myself. Yeah, that's perfect. That's a big part of recovery. Big part. Willow, anything you want to add to that one? I always want everybody to like me. I mean, I think that's just, I want the person at the, I just want to be nice to everyone and like even the checkout person or um, even people I don't know. Right. I still think, I don't even know if this is related, but I want them to like me. I think that's part of the Enneagram too. Yeah, it's part of it. It's, it's just the idea of, so... I want to treat you well. What you do with it is up to you. I can't control. And that's the people pleasing. I'm trying to control if you like me or not. Because there's people like my mother in the world. I don't care what you do for her. She won't like you. She's not going to treat you well. She's somehow going to put you down. So uh, such a big part of my recovery is learning that, because that that's where my fawning, my trauma response of taking care of someone came from, was trying to, if I did enough for her, she would like me. But I forgot that 
I was dealing with someone who didn't have the capacity. So it can't be about the person responding to me. I have to do it for the Lord. I have to treat you well because he treats me well. And if you mistreat me and you're abusive to me, I'm out. I'm not going to use scripture to manipulate myself to stay with you. I'm out because if I stay, I'm encouraging you and enabling you to continue to mistreat people, right? So I think that's the difference with it. Is it's not about how they receive. It's about who I am to represent who I really am in the moment. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure when, I'm, when I have that outlook, I'm not living for God. I'm not remembering that that's who I need to please and yeah. not the checkout person. Yeah. Or and, and that's exactly why I wanted to talk about this today is because I think it's one of the biggest things the enemy uses to keep you disconnected from your true calling what God wants you to say or do with that person, if I'm just trying to get them to be happy, which I can't do, I don't responsible for their happiness, I might not hear him say, hey, tell them X, Y, Z. I might not see the person in the back of the line who I am supposed to do something for because I just want that person to like me. All right, so I think we have to talk about it over and over again because the world tells you that your day is dependent on who likes you, who smiles at you, who lets you over in traffic. Right, we get told that all the time. It's different when we're a Christian and trying to be trying so hard in this world, so hard to do to be set apart. So it's so important that we not use, not manipulate yourself with Scripture about how you treat somebody. If you are treating someone in a way that puts them in a position of being an idol, or you're treating them in a way that it is causing you to have so much pain and you are not focused on what God thinks of you, you're just trying to get them to like you, please you, keep them, keep your fear at bay, then that is not God's will for you. And it's just too easy to use Scripture and say, but no, God says. Right? Right. Have you found that, Cindy, that you've had to reconcile that? I have, because, you know, and that's why I go back to, to love each other as God loves us, because right. he doesn't do that. Right. And so if I'm loving you the way he loves me, I'm not forcing you to do anything. I'm not yeah. attempting to manipulate you to do That's anything. Right. That's right. I'm here and I'm going to love you. And if you want to receive it, come get it. Right. And, but I'm not going to, you know, I, I just, because, I mean, he could in a split second just completely make me into who he wants me to be every minute, every day. Right. But he allows me to be myself. Yeah. And if I allow other people that same grace mm -hmm. to just, you know, to grow mm -hmm. and to learn through whatever they grow and learn through, right. then I'm not, I don't have that God image. Because sometimes when I'm people pleasing, that's where I go. I get that God image. Like I can control something. And right. I can't. That's right. I just can't. It's an illusion. Yeah. It just is. Right. Yeah. And so just know, like, once you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that is your salvation. But the soul being repaired, the who you really are in him, or your personality, what, and we talked about this when we did an Enneagram podcast, that if you're a helper, then you think that's your whole personality. If you're an Enneagram 9 like Willow is, that we think the personality is all that, she, that she's just neutral, she'll just go along with anything. You know, Cindy's probably an 8, and so her personality is a challenger. That's, you're so much more than that. We can't get caught up into that. We can't make it about personality. It's got to be about character. And that remembering that God sent his son for you, his son died for you, that you're good enough. So he's never going to tell you to neglect the one that he saved. So if I'm so focused on you and I'm not paying attention to what he wants me to do, then that, that is neglect. And he's called us to be so empty of the false self and so full of who we really are that it's not exhausting. We're not constantly having to think about how to treat somebody, how to treat ourselves. 
right? It becomes a little bit more organic, a little more natural. And that takes work and it's deliberate. A lot of practice. Lots of practice and a lot of grace to give yourself because you don't have to always do it correctly. Yes. Yeah. So last question, Will, if there's one thing that a listener who's still struggling and people-pleasing could hear from you, what would be the one thing? Um, I would say first accept it, that it could be it your could issue. Be. Mm, it's good. And, um, and then read about it, listen to podcasts about it, right. um, and just try and reflect on how you've acted in the past and how you act with your family right mm. now. And, um, and then, you know, just be honest with yourself if you need to work on it. Yeah, it's great advice. Um, People are there to help you, and, and there are resources. Absolutely. For you. Great advice. What would you want some people to hear? One thing. That even though I may be people pleasing today, there is hope, and mm. I do not have to continue along this path. Yeah. I can do something different. It's going to take work, it's going to hurt, it's going to be different. It's like an exercise routine. The muscles hurt when I first start doing something different. Right. But eventually, the muscle will be built. And I can learn to do something different. So even though I might be there today, it's not going to be like this forever if I'm willing to do something different. That's right. Yeah, that's great. I just want everyone to hear that we are not talking about having a life where you're not doing things for other people. We are talking about getting spiritual freedom. So when you are doing an act of compassion for someone, you're doing it because you know you're worthy in God, not because you're trying to feel worthy for two seconds. We have nothing to prove. And so if you're trying to prove your worth, it means you're spending all day walking around with a cup, trying to get other people to fill it up, and you wake up the next day, and the cup's empty because there are holes in it. Opposed to us waking up each day knowing that, you know, that our salvation, the resurrection of Jesus, shows that we are so worthy and there's nothing to prove. And from that place, just to go love on people, but it's not from an empty cup. It's already full of God's love, and it does take practice. It takes times. I suggest you check out Melody Beatty. She's probably the most famous person that wrote about codependency. Joyce Meyer has a book called Approval Addiction. Pia Melody's got a lot of books. There are codependent workshops, workbooks out there as well. Uh, I'd check out Self-Compassion by Kristen Nerf. Um, she did a great job of teaching people what self-compassion is to see your level. There's a self-assessment online about that. And that there are 12-step programs designed on this. You can go to Codependence Anonymous. You can go to Al-Anon. You can go to Nor-Anon. There's different things because when you are giving, giving, and giving, and I'm not talking about offering, giving and offering different things. If you're giving, giving, and giving, and nothing's coming back to you, it's not just the person you're giving to that's sick. So are you. And we want you to get help. So thank you, Cindy. Thank you, Willow. Thank you all for being open-minded, open-hearted, and listening to us. Just know that we are a group of Christians who are a little crazy. And we're not trying to necessarily change that. We're just trying to love God a little bit more. So God bless y'all.